What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, your host of the Red Hot Real Estate Show and licensed realtor from Remax Results, the fantastically talented Mimi Shoneman. Hello, Mimi. Happy, Good morning, Happy to see you. Happy Hi. to see you. I see you brought our other friends with us. we got Phil Olson here from Cross Country Mortgage. Also joining us again today, home appraiser extraordinaire Todd Davis is with us. How are you gentlemen doing as well? Awesome. 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 Phil, let's get your NMLS number out of the way, please. NMLS 238103, company NMLS 3029-Cross Country Mortgage. And Todd, do you have any such numbers that you'd like to give us? Nope, I don't. Wonderful. Okay, okay. we're all good now. All right. <laughs> we got it all. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we were having such a fun time last, last week that I mm-hmm. think we blinked and it went by. <laughs> so Todd is with us. We're so lucky when... We have an expert like Todd in, in the uh, studio with us. No no kidding. Um, it's not often that you actually get to have the opportunity to have a dialogue with a licensed appraiser. Mm-hmm. And Phil Olson, of course, is our mortgage expert with Cross Country Mortgage. Um, we are here to take all kinds of calls, especially if you've got questions about an appraisal. Right. Uh, had one done, going to have one done, don't really understand what they are, now is the time to ask the questions. And that number is 651-641-1071. Okay, so we're just going to kind of flow. Um, we've got an agenda, of course, but mm-hmm. I think that that makes for a lively discussion between all of us that really all of us know about appraisals. Ms. Shannon, you, of course, had one right. done mm-hmm. on your purchase, and... Things have really changed. I mean, it's been a year since you bought your house, and I swear, it's as if the universe has completely flipped over and did a backhand spring back. Right. How different it is. Would you gentlemen agree? Absolutely. And for Yeah, me- I, would, I would have to say that uh, if we were to look, go back a year and uh, look at appraisals, uh, I can't even compare this year versus last year. There's there's no comparison. And I feel like the appraisal process already was kind of mystifying as it was, but now it is so pivotal because we are seeing such a a difficult time in the market because of the scarcity of properties that were out there that getting your home appraised and getting it to come at a certain dollar amount is really key because you've told on numerous occasions, Mimi, that a lot of your potential buyers are going, well, we need to bake this much, you know, we need to make, we need to uh, make sure that we get this much in our financing. And you've talked about that too. And, and so now going, well, how close can we get that home appraised? value up to that that makes a big difference it sure does phil real quickly uh statistic just came out uh the area median income average home Mm -hmm. for the united states now is three hundred and fifty-eight thousand. now okay do you know where we were last year this time no two hundred and eighty nine thousand dollars wow okay and they're saying that the housing prices have gone up 18 percent. so speak to that here, Coach Todd. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's two periods, at least in my career, where we saw rapidly increasing prices. The first time was the the mid to late 2000s, and those prices were driven by lowering interest rates that created a situation where it was less expensive to purchase a home. Okay. 
So people bought and bought and bought and drove the price up. Well, that that crashed because the interest rates went up. We had an economy that went down, mm-hmm. and that affected that. This time around, it the interest rates have been low for quite a period of time now, several years. What's happening now is there's no inventory. There's nothing okay. available to buy. And okay. so you have 5 to 12 buyers for every listing that goes out. And so they're outbidding each other. And then sometimes they're outbidding each other to the point of being beyond what the market can prove. The market being me, the That's appraiser. Okay. <laughs> okay. That is exactly where we want to go. And that mm-hmm. was a great segue. So when you're doing comps, you're always looking in the past. Very much so. Yeah. So, you know, you hear consumers say. Mimi, let's explain comps because like as a comedian, yeah, I, I mean like say. complimentary, comp this, but you mean Comparable, comparable homes. Okay. So when you are working with a client, both either a buyer or a seller, you want to see something that is comparable mm-hmm. to your house um, in a close geographic range that is most similar. And so you can imagine if you're not in a neighborhood where many homes were built, just like what yours looks like, but maybe just a variation. It is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Okay. As you do every single day, you, you understand. So, you know, you get into a neighborhood where, you know, it was the 1950s and they all look the same and you're like, yay, that's fun. That makes my life a lot easier. But when you get to something that's unusual, that's different, that doesn't look just like everybody else in your exact geographic range, then it becomes challenging to decide how to do it and so what i mean by you're looking at comps that are always in the past well people will say well joe down the street is is put his house is on the market right now and it's forty thousand dollars more than ben's house last year in december and why is that well because the the market has changed and so it's nice, like when you get to the spring and the summer, you've got more more marketable comparables that you can choose from because more houses are on the market closer to the time frame of what you're trying to do right now. Correct. The But the challenge that the appraiser has is we are bound by certain guidelines and rules, and we cannot base an appraised value off of active listings or pending sales. Thank you for saying that. Okay. So, so here's a question I have for you, Todd. People will say, well, the house sold down the road a year ago. Let's talk a little bit about timelines in an appraisal. Be it how old is a comp and and let's talk Minneapolis, Mm -hmm. which you're talking hundreds and thousands of homes that were built in the 1940s. All right. And they're pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe the style on the outside. But your bedroom count, bathroom count is about the same. How old can the comp be? All right. And what is considered a comp when you're looking at other homes? Okay. First of all, a timeline for a comp, there are no steadfast uh, rules, but there are guidelines. Okay. Okay. I can use a comp that's two years old, but the guideline and the recommendation is comp should be one year old or less. And especially even less than six months old would be great. And what are lenders normally looking for? Three to six. They're looking for three to six if you have it. But a year is considered the the threshold guideline. But if there's nothing to use, I I use comps over a year old. It's not often, but I do. Okay. So that's good to know. But let's talk about the shift that happened January 1. 
Um, I know that it's made your life more complicated as it has made all of our lives more complicated because it was almost like somebody put their foot on an accelerator button and we went from zero to 150 in a split second. Um, it, it was we watched it, Miss Shannon mm-hmm. we, and Phil. We've watched it for years. Yes. Uh, how the inventory has been doing. And it kind of hovers for a little bit. And then you see it move. Right. And then it hovers and hovers. And then you see it move. And, and then we kept like, looking like, okay, it might shake out a little bit. But we were talking like adding four to six weeks on of inventory, but not it, jumping up. But it wasn't It wasn't much time when it went to from 2.1 months of inventory mm-hmm. down to 0.9. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, and it, it almost happened in a blip. And so I don't know if that triggered something in the marketplace. If everybody started talking about that and that this was a real shift happening right now in the present. But it seems like everybody woke up at the same time and realized what was happening because that's when you saw buyers that were stepping up to the plate in ways that I've never seen them step up. And Phil, you can speak to this. You work with a million buyers all the time. I, I mean, uh, it's, it's, I, you hit it right on the head when you said they hit a, an accelerator and mm-hmm. it went from zero to 150. And then in talking with a lot of other associates and other loan officers, we're all going, what the heck happened here? But I, I think there was some things we had a, a presidential change. Uh, we had, it is, now we've got inflation in the market that people are seeing. Prices are going up. We've got, it is uh, a huge issue with logistics. Okay. Part of the reason prices have gone up so much is due to transportation costs and due to the fact that a lot of factories can't get enough workers to basically produce the products that's needed for housing. Mm-hmm. All right. If you take a look in the stock market, Lowe's, Menards, um, Home Depot, oh my God, their stock prices have gone up like okay. 30, 35% because every, this pent up energy has caused people to either buy a house or to remodel their house. Right. 100%. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then the cost of goods, of course, you factor that into a lot of different things. And so, um, Todd, do you appraise new construction as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the last 18 months, very little. Okay. Really? And Phil kind of alluded to it, but the cost of construction right now with specifically lumber prices, which are starting to recover a little bit, but they're so high that building a home, they can't make any money selling it. Gotcha. So they're not okay. building any. Building homes is what usually alleviates oversupply in a market. Mm-hmm. So we had two things happen in the in the last 18 to 24 months. Number one, cost of construction went through the roof, and number two, COVID hit. Right. And those two things combined created a new construction kind of drought. Got you. And without new construction to alleviate the oversupply, we have a significant oversupply this Mm -hmm. summer. Well, I think that when we come back from the break, Todd, I'd like to ask you and have a dialogue with all four of us about new wood versus old wood if we can right um the quality of the wood from a a pre-existing home versus the wood that they're uh that they're sourcing right now for new construction and you can also be part of the conversation we encourage you to call in i mean we have so much talent here in this building they might as well call in and get your questions answered you can call us at 651-641-1071 we'll be right back on the red hot real estate show
Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. Encouraging you to be part of the show. We have so much expertise in the room today. Today is a great day for you to call. Call 651-641-1071. Okay. So we kind of ended last segment talking. We kind of are jumping around a little bit, but that's okay. It makes for interesting uh, conversations. Um, so in an old home certified class that I took many years ago, um, one of the things that they talked about was the age of trees at harvest. Okay, so you can imagine in the early 1900s when a lot of building was happening in the Twin Cities, how how huge and enormous the trees were in diameter. So you allow the tree to grow to maturity far longer than the trees that they're harvesting today. So imagine, if you will, all the rings that you see in a beautiful cut piece of wood, right? Um, so that is going to be enormous back in the 1900s versus a, a very narrower tree today that didn't uh, that was not allowed to grow to the state to the same extent. And so there there is value in the the wood that are that's used to construct different homes. And so when you're talking about an older home and why have they been standing for so long? Well, they're they're sturdy. Because of the materials that were used. Okay, so that's that. And then, Todd, do you have anything to talk about new versus old with regard to materials used? Well, it's not my number one area of expertise, but just seeing as many homes as I've seen over my career, you can definitely tell that the homes in the older neighborhoods, especially like like I always use Stillwater as an example, because in my territory, those are the oldest homes that I see. You know, you have homes built as old as 1850, 1860, Mm -hmm. and they still have the original foundation and, you know, assuming they have the original framing and everything and they're still beautiful and they sell for a lot of money because in Stillwater, the older, more vintage home, the the more price you're going to get. Let's talk about the foundation. You brought that up. Um, The limestone foundation that you see in these older homes People are usually so afraid of those types of foundation. Like if they've been painted and the, they, some of the paint might have flaked off or you can see back into the back behind the limestone. Your opinion as an appraiser, that type of foundation, any issue for value? Again, it's not my area of expertise, but I find that if something has been standing for 150 years, and it's still in good shape and it's still sound. And I've had inspectors go in and look at them when I've seen possible damage. You know, again, I'm not deter- uh, qualified to determine what's wrong, but they'll come back and say it's structurally sound and still in great shape. So to me, a limestone foundation is just as good as today's poured concrete or, you know, from a few years ago, cinder block. I think they're just as good, if not better. They've lasted. They've standed the test of time. Exactly. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Okay. So, Phil, what would you like to ask Todd? What's We both talk about this, like our over-asking price clients. We've had so many people who've had to go above and beyond the asking price just to compete in this market. And so, Ms. Shannon, let's just say that you and I are shopping for a house. Yes. And 
you know, you're going to give it a, a home run swing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want this one. You want this one. And, okay. and you've lost out on, let's say, four other ones and mm-hmm. you're sick so and tired of it. You're done. Yes. Okay. So let's just say that the house is 350 Okay. And we know for a fact that 10 other offers have come in and the highest and best offers due tomorrow okay. at noon. And you and I are going to put our strategy together. Yes. How much are we going to do? How much cash can I show up? Yes. With? What can I do? But okay. I've told you, Miss Shannon, gosh, they've priced it just right. Mm. All the comps support 350 mm-hmm. And, ugh, you know, I might could squeak you up to 375 I found one. Right. There's another one that's 368 But I'm worried I'm not going to get it at that. And you're like... I'll pay four hundred for it. Yeah, I was about to say, nice even four. It's not gonna appraise. It's Mm -hmm. not gonna appraise. Okay, what do we do, folks? Panel. All right, so I get the appraisal. I when I get an appraisal, I look at everything. Right. I read everything, and one of the things that my eyes always goes to the quickest Mm -hmm. is what's called GLA. What's that? Todd, what is GLA? And it's on the, it's really on the second page and it's at the very, very bottom. No, it's the third page of the appraisal, I believe. GLA is an acronym for gross living area. Okay. Gross living area is defined simply as finished living space that is above ground. Okay. Or is legal finished space. So finished basement is not GLA. Oh, okay. A second floor finished attic that doesn't have adequate ceiling space or egress is not GLA. Okay. Now finished square feet that doesn't follow under GLA does have value, but it's calculated differently. Okay. So for example, if you have a home that's a thousand square feet above ground with an unfinished basement, that technically work is worth more than a home that's 500 square feet above ground with 500 finished basement. Okay. Because oh, there's more, okay. There's more potential to finish more space in the larger footprint home. Well, let's talk about that. Let's yeah. break that one down. Okay. So I heard what you're saying. Above ground is what you count for the appraisal. That's what really matters. However, if I'm looking, Miss Shannon, you and I were looking at, at homes in, let's say, Northeast. Yes. And one house has a beautifully finished basement, and the other one is just painted the floor and, you know, threw up a few lights. We clearly can see how the finished one is worth more to you. Correct. But to you, Mr. Appraiser Todd Davis, mm-hmm. what is it worth? A finished basement does have value. Um, when I'm adjusting for it, I adjust approximately a half the value as I do for GLA square footage. So a half. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So when people ask me, what should I do to fix my house up to get the most money? And they're like, I've been thinking about finishing the basement and putting a couple bedrooms and a bathroom in. What do you say to that? Yes, do it? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. The best return on your real estate investment as far as your property's worth is adding finished square feet. Okay. Now, when you're finishing a basement or space that was already in place, so you're not building a new structure, Mm -hmm. you're building a new structure, your cost of value is very low. If you're finishing a di- uh, in in place structure like an unfinished basement, the cost to finish that raises the value of your home very close to the cost. What about a four season porch? Oh, that's very, a good one. Very low. Gotcha. Uh, cost so do the of basement value. first. Yeah, because when you're I do adding that. structure, okay, 
like you can you can put a three season porch on, which adds no GLA, mm-hmm. and it can cost you as much as fifty to sixty thousand dollars. Gotcha. Okay. It doesn't really it doesn't raise the value of your home okay. hardly at all. This was a question that we recently saw on a, a mastermind post. So you've got a three season porch that's attached to your dining room just off of the kitchen, right? It's beautiful. It's got French doors that opens up to it, but there's no heat source. Mm-hmm. So. If you added a heat source to it, would that make it count as finished and part of the GLA? Or if you took the French doors off and let it use the heat coming from the house? Um, not opening the French doors. Okay. You need okay. a permanent heat source. Now, does it become GLA? Again, you'll hate me for this, but maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right. Because GLA, uh, the, another uh definition for it is it is it must also match the quality and the quality of the construction of the rest of the house oh okay okay so if you if you have a three season porch but it but it has you know thin walls improperly insulated not maybe a full roof on it it's not if it doesn't match the rest of the house it can't be counted now in minnesota and what i usually see most three season porches their, their quality and their construction would match the rest of the house if you retrofitted it for heat and insulation. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group, our friend Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage, and with us today, of course, Todd Davis, home appraiser extraordinaire. It's a great day to call, get your questions answered. If there's just been something rolling around in the back of your mind, why not get it answered today and not ask your cousin because they don't really know? So the number is the number six five one six four. One one oh seven one. We always have that friend where we're like, I asked so and so. Don't oh, ask them. That's <laughs> experts that I, I are floating that. around. Right. No, I yeah. hate that. My friend said, "Yeah, Which, I'm, I'm what sorry. does your friend do? Yeah, your yeah. friend is probably great at a lot of things. Does your friend do this? Yes. Okay, then they don't ask them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so I could uh, seriously. I, I have. I love this show. This is like one of my favorites. And thank, thank you, you so much, Todd Davis. Because we have questions. Like every time we go into break, we're like, what if I do this? Oh, my gosh. And I, like, I could talk, this, to, yeah. talk for hours about this. It's so good. I like that most thank of your you. answers, Todd, are if you want to do it, go ahead and do it. It's not going to make the whole, your the price. It's not going to increase the value of your home. But you can do anything you want, is what I feel like a lot of these answers we're, are. We're all sitting that's, here going, what if, what if? Yeah, that, that's actually important to kind of briefly discuss. Right. Is you shouldn't be too terrified or worried about how it affects the value of your home, depending on certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. If this is your forever home and you plan to die there, yeah. do whatever you want. Build a porch. Because do it's this. your home. Yeah. Within yeah. reason, of course. But. But for those buy or for those sellers today that are going to call Mimi here this coming week and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I'm going to put I want to put my house up in the next thirty days." Let's talk about that because there's sometimes people will go, well, "I'm going to do this, 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 and this," and Mimi's going to go, or I might go, "No, you don't need to do that." Right. Let's talk about that real quick. From an appraised value, I want to just ask you this: I get asked this question all the time. Well, I like my paint. And it's golden brown. Mm -hmm. I put it there specifically because it tones down the golden oak in my cabinets. Okay. So it's been there for over 10 years, that color. So we all know that colors change frequently and often. Um, If somebody had a golden brown tone wall, tannish, 
in golden oak cabinets. They still happen. But they said to me, what's the best thing I can do? My number one answer is to paint. Paint A, the walls. And mm-hmm. if you have the budget, to paint the cabinets too. Are you affected by that? Because you're human. You have eyes just like we all do. We're all affected by visual stimulation. As an appraiser, would you look at dated versus not dated and see value there? Okay. First of all, I don't care what color the wall is. If you are going to sell your home, three words and three words every time is paint your house. Gotcha. Okay. Every time. I don't care if you have all neutral and all modern. Okay. Paint the house. Because yes, appraisers are affected. We are human. If we see clean, freshly painted walls, it gives us a higher opinion of the of the condition of the home. Okay. okay. And I if always... it affects us, it's gonna affect buyers even more. Exactly. Right. Um, thank you. Um so I also get asked when, so the appraiser, the appraisal always happens after there's an offer that's been accepted. Let's just point that out for folks that might not know that. Um, Do I need to do anything to my house when the appraiser comes through? I always say you want to treat it just like a showing. Okay. As much as possible. For sure. Um, because the underwear and the Oompa Loompa toys in (laughs) in the, you know, all throughout the dining room, you're stepping around stuff. You're annoyed. I mean, well, here's the reality. If uh, when I'm appraising a home, I'm considering what they would leave behind. So a, a poor housekeeper shouldn't affect the appraised value. Okay. And I say shouldn't because the reason is I'm going to look at something and depending on their level of cleanliness or how the house is, it's like if their house is like this, are they taking care of of things that need regular maintenance? Great, great that? point. Because and I'm going to think maybe they don't. All right, fair uh, enough. I, I, great point. This happened to me about two months ago. I got a call from my appraisal management firm, and they go, "Phil, we understand that the house has three bedrooms in it, mm-hmm. but we're only going to count you one because when the appraiser opened the door." Stuff was all the way up to the roof in both rooms. Oh, no. So is that, can can an appraiser basically count not a room because they can't get into it? I'm, <laughs> <laughs> He's going, what is uh, happening here? Okay, you stumped me on this one. Right. Um, technically, the items can be removed. So to me, they're still bedrooms. But if I'm appraising that home, I'm probably stopping the process and saying, I can't put a value on this until I know what's underneath there. Exactly. Because I, I, I don't know what's can't going on. It, can't see so it. Back, back to your point, working on your house, spending a little quality time to make it show well, like Mimi said, and treat it like a showing can influence the potential value of the home. Will influence. Gotcha. Okay. That is really important information to know. And thank you. Um, so, I was just in a house this past week in Highland Park, and we went into the basement. It was in a 1900-build home, beautiful, mm-hmm. and but it had been flipped, we think. Um, so we're in the basement, and I'm 5'3", sort of. 5'3"-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I'm standing there with folks, and I'm saying... I put my hand up, as I always do, to touch the ceiling because I figured that's a foot. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think this is a legal 
this is legal because of the ceiling height. And we measured it. Was too it, low? And it was seven feet. Um, and so let's talk about what makes a basement legally finished. Legally is a strong word because in Minnesota, finished basements are a prominent feature of many, many homes. And I would argue maybe even most homes. Mm-hmm. So... The only rule that I really follow steadfastly is a bedroom cannot be a bedroom in the basement without an egress window. Okay. That's the only one I will steadfastly hold on to. But there's many times I go into finished basements, and I'm Mm 6'5", so there's many times I'm walking through and I'm ducking. So you had to take your hat off in this house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, take, and, 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 and walk with my, with my neck turned. <laughs> but they're like, we'll just I, be sitting it, down. <laughs> and I still count it. They'll because probably again, just be sitting down. you have a little bit more leeway because finished basement is not GLA. Does okay. it matter, though, um, the age of the the build on what's tolerable as far as, like, the height of the ceiling? Does that matter at all? Um, no. Okay. But again, when you have an older home with a finished basement, they typically had lower ceiling heights in the basement. Mm-hmm. But finished basement is simply that. It is not GLA. So there's rules that don't have to be followed. Like if you're finishing an attic, yeah, that's seven feet height limit. I have to follow to a T. Okay. So this is kind of off subject, but I think our, our, our listeners would really like to know, what are you looking for? What are you inspecting? Because I ha- I get that question all the time. So what are, uh, are they going to check the toilets and are they going to check the electric? And when you walk through, you've got a list of things you want to get accomplished. What are, what are say, the top five things when you go view a property? When I'm going to a home, the number one thing is how big is it? So I measure the house. Okay. And I determine the square footage. So the, I determine the GLA and the finished basement. That is number one. Number two, I'm looking for the condition of the home. Because that's something you can't know from online information. That's okay. why appraisers have jobs, is because no one can replicate what the condition is without a set of eyes to look at it. Okay. And then third, I'm also looking at amenities, upgrades. You know, what kind of kitchen counters do you have? Uh, cabinets, uh, bathrooms, uh, fireplaces, built-ins, entertainment centers. Um, what kind of features those have? That affects the quality rating I give the home. Um Things like lot size and what street it's on, you can determine that from online. I'm also looking at things like view. Does it have a good view or is it looking at the back of your neighbor's house? Or well, right so, next to a train track or right something like that. Right next to a that. train track. Okay. Well, now, now we've got obsolescence, <laughs> yeah. yes. which is a mm-hmm. great term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you turning Are you turning on the light switches? Are you turning on the water faucets? Are, are you doing any of that as you're going through? Uh, water faucets and checking the heating and things like that are done on FHA appraisals. So if okay. you have an FHA loan, I'm flushing the toilets, I'm turning the water on, I'm making sure the electrical works, right? Um, I'm making sure the furnace and air conditioning work, all that. So when you say FHA, for our consumer, think of a government loan. Mm-hmm. VA, FHA, USDA, those are all considered government loans and they fall under basically FHA guidelines. Right. And so that brings a good segue into steps. Um, I hear a lot of questions about like how many steps need to have a handrail for a government loan. And you would say they have now left that up to us. Really? They removed that, that rule. They used, it used to be strictly stairwell handrail period. Okay. No exceptions. Mm -hmm. Now they've left up to us. (laughs) 
So I have to determine, is this stairway, can it be safely navigated without a stair, without a handrail? And if my answer is yes, I don't have to require it. Can I ask you two things that I, that I they, they, they're just because the three of you are in the room. And I, when I'm driving around, I see two things when I see, look at houses. So one, I see that the steps, the outdoor steps don't go all the way up to the door. There's like a gap. Why do we do that in Minnesota? That is an excellent question. Why do we do that? It's probably settled. But it's no, it's too deep. It's like six inches or something. Like, how big is this? Maybe so, that is what yeah, I that's about. Probably, What is the standard step so. down, though? Isn't the standard step down like eight? Uh, eight inches or something like that? Because some I houses know. I see the steps go directly up to the door, and sometimes it feels like they go below, but I see it a lot. So I clearly they make the like steps go that way. An outdoor. I just see that a lot where I'm like, why is that? Uh, did no, it used to be too. It could be settling, and it could be just a simple choice. Because if, if you figure. Well, most outdoor stairways leading into the home, there's a landing. Yes. Is the last step. There usually doesn't go step into the home. Mm-hmm. Usually. Yeah. You but sometimes see. you see it. Actually, at my fiance's house in her garage and was just pointed out to us, the steps go straight into the door. There's no landing at the top of the stairway. Oh, right. But, and so- that, but that's the wooden stairs in the attached garage into the house. It's not an outdoor entrance. Here's the other thing that I see, and I've always wondered why I see this. I, I, when, I'm, when I'm driving past a home and I'll see them have a concrete uh, path come out but not go all the way to the street or the sidewalk. Why does that, that happen? Rich I see it a lot. Yes, there's a lot where it comes out and then there's a big gap I where this no just stops. For that. Okay, I don't know all why right. people do but, that. All right, and <laughs> now I have a question because I feel like I see it. That's why I'm bringing it because I see it a lot. That I'm going. Why'd they just stop? Because you need doing... two pairs of shoes to go on there. <laughs> you why? need to boost. There's grass and then there's a a, dry, a step. Yes. Yeah, so if anybody the out there has a reason why they have that in their house, because my OCD kicks in, you oh, can call us at 651-641-1071, because I've always wondered, but I, I to the point that I've thought about just knocking on somebody, if, I, if they were outside, I'd go, why doesn't your Be- thing all go all the way to the street? I think concrete is so expensive, they said it's not worth it. Mm, I'm not doing it. a square it. foot. That's interesting. Okay, yeah. I'm glad it's not just me. So okay. real quickly, before we hit the break. Mm-hmm. Describe to me some nightmare situations that you as an appraiser run into and you go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? Usually it's a home that is completely different from everything else in its neighborhood. Okay. That is my yes, hallelujah Mm -hmm. subject. Okay. You'll get, like I I did a home on the east side of St. Paul that was above ground, so GLA 3,500 square feet. Oh, big home. Okay. In... And this was off of, I think it was on Jesse, right off of Maryland. Okay. Okay. We're all and driving by there next. <laughs> that's just not a home that's that size anywhere within four miles of the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, even homes in Woodbury and Eden Prairie, there are a few that are over 35. So was this a teardown and a rebuild? Was this no, a fair, it was an older home. An older home. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what did you was, do? A, a dollar per square foot kind of situation? I considered it over... I uh, considered a super adequacy over improvement, if you will, and square footage above the top of the market. I didn't give credit for. Really? Wow! wow. So because in you- that neighborhood, a potential buyer looking in that neighborhood is not going to want to pay extra for the only large house in the neighborhood. It's, so, in other again, words, it was overbuilt. The McMansion improved. The McMansion yep. scenario, then. Yeah. Okay. 
And people do want to over-improve. And I tell people, like, well, I'm thinking about doing this, that, and the other thing. And uh, I'm like, you know, you're going to live in it. But, you know, you do need to think about resale. So when we come back, I think I'd like to talk with Todd about... Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Streaming on MyTalk1071.com. Reminding you can always get a hold of all of our experts. So uh, we're going to wrap up the show with this as well. But, uh, Phil, how do we find you? Oh, you can reach me at 651-238-6748 or at any time, phil at callphilolson.com. Mimi, your turn. You know, you can always find us here at the station. You can mm-hmm. go and uh, keyword is red hot, but you can get us at mnredhotrealestate.com. Text real estate or mortgage to 651-578-2218. Perfect. Okay, Todd Davis, appraiser extraordinaire. Our... <laughs> Honored guest, Our and we, guru. Are, we are so infatuated with you. Yes, we are. We ha- we heart hey, Todd Davis. Humbled. He's turning as red as a tomato oh, right now, and he's engaged. We yeah. just learned that, yes. so yes. it's all platonic. Um, anyway, obsolescence. Can you define that for us, sir? I think, in the simplest terms, is obsolescence is something that negatively affects the value of your property, and you can't do anything about it. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So examples of that. Okay, there's two of the main ones. They're called functional obsolescence and external obsolescence. External obsolescence is the easy one to explain. Your home backs up to a railroad track. Mm-hmm. It's How about to a factory? A factory, uh, any commercial property, any non-residential bordering, like a gas station, an apartment complex, a school. Oh, interesting. How about a major highway in front of your yard in that major doesn't highways. have... Yeah. Your, your home is located on Lindale Avenue. Your um, electricity grid, big big electrical wires. Power wires going through, visible in your property. Those gotcha. are things okay. you can't do a thing about. They're, mm-hmm. they're usually public or another property or what have you. You have to live with it. Okay. Okay. So that's external. That's let's external. Talk, let's talk about internal. Functional is a little harder to define because there's not a lot of examples of it. But the best way you could describe it is is something that needs to be fixed or repaired or altered or removed in your home where the cost of doing it would far exceed the value change in your home. Okay. So in other words, let's say it would cost you 20000 to to fix it but it doesn't increase the value of your home, it, doing it is is not cost-effective. Okay. Let's talk about a, a oil tanks, old oil tanks. I've seen a few of them uh, in the basement that are either, they're not used, using them anymore, but they haven't removed them either. I mean, honestly, as long as they have a modern working uh, uh, heating system, that's not a problem. I see okay. them here and there. They're very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, they really don't affect anything negatively in the home. Now, if they're currently using oil okay. as their fuel source, now you have some functional obsolescence because people don't want to deal with oil-fueled homes. Is that right. is that the type? Is that Very the type with the, the water with the water heater units that are in the rooms, and that it's the oil that heats the water that goes through those those heating elements. Is that well, what we're the, ta- the oil is used to heat the home. Right. Right. That's the fuel instead of natural gas. Okay. Or hot, well, hot water is always fueled by natural gas too. Mm-hmm. But, okay. But it's, it's that. And so periodically, I don't know how often it happens, but a truck has to come to your home and refill your tank. Mm-hmm. Just like, just like a propane heating source and a lot of the, like many, many cabins up north. Do, do you propane. see cisterns here in Minnesota? 
I don't. Not okay. in my territory. Is no. that because it's too cold? I, I I just don't think it's something that's utilized here as a, 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 a what's the word I'm looking for, like a viable uh, benefit. Okay. What about mm-hmm. a well that uh, they now have city water, but they still have a well that's uncapped? Is that a positive or a negative? Uh, usually it's neither. Okay. Um, if you have only a well, but you're eligible to hook up to city connected water, I would always re- recommend that you do it. Mm-hmm. Much about, more efficient. How about this one? Got a house that's slab on grade. The neighborhood is huge. It's a mile by a mile. And it's the only slab on grade house you can find. And tell the consumer what What's a slab, slab on, on grade is. Yeah, I there don't you even go. Know what that is. No there basement. Okay. No oh. basement, yeah. But huh. some homes without a basement will at least have like maybe a three foot crawl space. Yes. Which is common if, if anyone, any of our listeners have like a three level split mm-hmm. where you walk in and you can go downstairs to a basement and upstairs to the bedrooms. Basement level there is finished, but then instead of going downstairs like a four level split, the next level underneath like the kitchen is crawl space. Okay. You know, you'll see that, but a slab on grade is most typical in this market in townhomes. Exactly. Okay. Um, and so it doesn't affect the value in townhomes, but in a single family detached home with no basement, number one is very rare mm-hmm. in, in at least the Twin Cities area. But they're out there though. They're out there and yeah. I've, I've appraised them and it, it is, they're significantly less. There's a big adjustment for for no basement. Interesting. I feel like that would be somebody like me that grew up in Arizona and basements were not a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, why do I need this? I'm not building that. I'm going to build a big ranch house like I grew up with. Right. So you're telling right. me if I do that, you're like, it just doesn't match. So right. it caught, and, and so then the conversely, in, in Arizona, a home that does have a basement, which is probably almost zero, right? It really doesn't add a lot of value because nobody has them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you travel around the United States, you can tell housing construction is totally different in specific areas, right? And I'll, I'll give you an example in in the mortgage world, we're normally required to have a termite inspection. Well, guess what? In Minnesota. <laughs> We no me, Mimi, do we do we have to do termite inspections only if it's relocation because they make you but it's absurd mm-hmm. um, but I don't know with global warning we'll probably get them now the first <laughs> house I bought had had termite damage and we had a termite plan mm-hmm. um, that was grandfathered with the house and so every so often they'd come out and they would inspect for it and then they would treat for it so it's just yeah to your point Phil different areas of the country have different things that they expect like when well, I would watch when I was growing up in Arizona and I would see sitcoms where they had like two-story houses I thought the whole reason that we didn't have one is because we were poor I didn't I'm like they just don't build these where I was around I was like we're supposed to have an upstairs mom and she's like no Oh, we're fine. That's a great, <laughs> that's a great segue. Okay, mm-hmm. what's more valuable, two-story or story and a half next door to each other? Well, it depends on a lot of facts. <laughs> <laughs> if they're finished similarly, which would you say wins? Generally, I would say the two-story because you have full, uh, full height ceilings. You don't have the angled okay. walls with the knee wall. Mm-hmm. You have more headspace in a two-story than you do in a, in a one-and-a-half-story. Okay. So you're generally going to have more usable space. We have one minute before the break, and I mm-hmm. have to ask you this. The big online portals, what should folks know about that compared to what you see in the real world? When they're searching for homes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Be at value. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
the the information that they have is all they have to be able to provide their valuation estimate of the property. So all they have generally is the square footage, the age of the home, the number of bedrooms and bathrooms, and the style. There's a lot missing there that they don't account for. They don't account for external obsolescence. Okay. They don't account for the condition of the home. They don't account for the quality of the building materials. Those items are why appraisers have jobs. Okay. Because you can't just put a value on a home without seeing it. Mm-hmm. And we do, you know, we do complete products that are exterior only. Right. But you're not going to get the full condition rating into that value. Okay. Well, that's great information. We thank you so much, Todd Davis and Phil Olson with Cross Country thank Mortgage. Miss Shannon, as always, wonderful show. And One of my favorites. remind everybody again how they can get a hold of everybody out there. We have time for that before we wrap today's show. You can always message the show with keyword red hot. Text real estate or mortgage to 651-578-2218. And as always, 651-238-6748. I pick up from 7 in the morning till... Nine o'clock at night, pretty much Monday through Sunday. Well, Todd, I feel like every time you come in to join us, we have so many more questions that we could get to. So we'll hope that you come back and see us again on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. I'd love to. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and I'm reminding everybody else out there, make sure you listen to this episode and previous episodes. It's mytalk1071.com, keyword red hot.